Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Hi, I'm Erin, and today's scripture reading is from Matthew 28, 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthshake because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, do not be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then quickly go and tell the disciples, He has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb, with fear and great joy, they ran to tell the disciples the news. Just then... Jesus met them and said, Greetings! They came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Ankeny Gospel Church, he is risen. Amen. My name is Parker McGoldrick. I'm one of the pastors here at Ankeny Gospel Church. And if you haven't already, I invite you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn to Matthew chapter 28. And I don't know if you uh, know this or if you did or were aware of it or I guess I'm here to remind you of this. But just this last week, we at Ankeny Gospel Church celebrated our first birthday. We have been a church for about a year now. And I was thinking about this, like any, like mile marker, birthday, anniversary, whatever, it often elicits a time of reflection, time of, you know, contemplation. So like, you know, for some reason, it's always the decade years of turning a certain, like when you finally turn 10 years old, you like leave, you're like, yes, I'm no longer in the double digits in the, or no longer in the single digits, I'm in the double digits, you know, you turn 20 and you turn 30, et cetera, et cetera. But in those moments and in those times, it brings about a time to kind of reflect, right? It's just a natural response to kind of reflect, okay, now that I'm, you know, this, or now that I've been in, you know, married for this amount of long or living this amount of years, whatever, you kind of reflect on where you've come from, where has the Lord brought you, where you have come from, where have you grown, where have you failed, and you also look forward to where you're going, right? Like this is, I want to continue in this trend in my life. I want to continue in this trend in my walk with the Lord. And I am so glad, all that to say is I'm glad we launched around Easter because it makes us not about us. Like the church does not exist for herself. We exist for Jesus. And I'm so glad that we get to celebrate the resurrection around the same time that we get to celebrate just another year of being a community because who are we if we're not people of the resurrection? Who, who are we if the resurrection did not happen? 
Who are we if, if the stone was not rolled away? This is why Paul says, if the resurrection didn't happen, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, we are the most to be pitied and our faith is in vain. In other words, and this is Paul's thought experiment in like 1 Corinthians 14 and 15. He says, if, if it just happened that Jesus didn't raise, was not raised from the dead, you would be the most to be pitied. So I'm gonna ask us, is that true of us? Is that true of you? Is your identity so wrapped up in the resurrection of Jesus that if we found out for some reason that it didn't happen, that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if we found out it didn't happen, would people who know us say, I'm, I'm really sorry, I know you were sold out about Jesus and the resurrection. Would you be the most to be pitied? Would I be the most to be pitied? Because if so, if you are, not, I'm sorry, if not, then your life is not defined by the resurrection. It's defined by something or someone else. But if so, then your life is defined by the resurrection. What Paul says in Romans 8 is that the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. You have resurrection power and life from the living God right here, right now. And that's why we celebrate. This is not some... Uh, th- this is why New Testament scholar uh, Faye Perkins, and this will be up on the screen, she says this, this quote, I love this quote. Since believers have been freed from sin, they are not the victims of its internal power to enslave. This is what it means to be resurrection people. Having been freed from death, they do not fear death as the end of the person as some cruel joke played against our human activity and striving. Next slide. She goes on to say, having been freed from self-will and selfishness, they can risk that self on a vision of the rule of God. What is Easter? Easter is imagined as calling into being a new gathering, a community in which this reality of the kingdom of heaven is to be lived out. What the empty tomb tells us is that we, are, we can no longer operate how we used to operate individually, and I'm talking about everybody in this room right now, as a community, we are now the place that the kingdom of heaven is shown. We are the light of the world, the salt of the earth. It is through, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we are now a new community. Uh, a nec- another quote, and this will be on the screen too. Ro- Rowan Williams says this, the believing community manifests the risen Christ. I love that. It does not simply talk about him or even celebrate him. It is the place where he is shown. What a calling. What a vision for what we can be as a church. For what all the churches across the state, across the nation, across the world right now are becoming. We are manifesting Christ's resurrection power because when he ascended, he said, I'm giving you a helper and a spirit who's, it's actually better for you that the spirit is here rather than me walking around with you. That's our identity, that's our calling. So this is why we join the saints, and I'm gonna say this again. I wanna say he is risen. I want you guys to respond, he is risen indeed. But in a a second, this is not something we invented. Christians have been doing this, by the way, every Sunday, they would say, weekly, they would say he is risen, he is risen indeed. So Ankeny Gospel Church, let's join in. He is risen, he is risen indeed. indeed. Well, sermon's over. (laughs) Just kidding. Uh, Unfortunately, it's not. Full disclosure, I had a sermon ready and I was, I was really excited about it. I was gonna go to an Old Testament passage in Ezekiel 37. We were gonna talk about resurrection there. Then we were gonna go to Daniel 12, and I was gonna talk about resurrection there. Then we were gonna get to Matthew 28, and we were gonna talk about resurrection there. And then I like went over it, and it was like 55 minutes long. So I'm not, you're welcome, is what I'm saying. 
Um, all that being said, we do have a podcast, another shameless plug, and this week I'm going to talk about those two passages, Ezekiel 37 and Daniel 12, because there's just some beautiful key truths about the resurrection. The resurrection wasn't invented in the New Testament. It was invented by God in creation. And so um, you can go on the podcast later this week and there'll be a little 15-minute talk about that, or maybe 30 minutes, you know, depending on what, uh, what happens. But all that to say is um, here's where we're going today. We're going to talk about two key truths of what the resurrection is from the scriptures. Then we're going to dive into Matthew 28, go over the account that just happened and that was just read over us, and then we're going to respond. But before we do that, I want to continue a posture of humility, of open-handedness, and of worship, and uh, I would invite you to, to join me as we pray to our Father together. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray to you by the power of the Holy Spirit who's interceding for us. Lord, you know what we need. You know the deepest cries of our hearts that we're often unaware of. You know our longings. Father, you know where our minds are right now. You know where our hearts are right now. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would protect this time from the enemy who wants to distract us, who wants to make us think about anything other than the empty tomb, who's fighting, who's waging war against our hearts, And Jesus, I ask that you would cast a vision of the empty tomb in our mind's eye. Lord, I pray that as I make general statements up here, Holy Spirit, you would take those and you would make them specific statements to each individual as we contemplate resurrection life. As we look at who you are according to the scriptures, who you are according to yourself, revealed to us in the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray that you would remind us that right now we are clothed in mortality, but we will be clothed in immortality when we find ourselves in you. And Lord, remember the prayer that if we suffer with you, we will also be glorified and raised with you. So Holy Spirit, be with us now, we pray. We pray all this in your son's name and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Okay, resurrection according to the scriptures. Remember, we're going to go resurrection according to the scriptures, kind of two main points, and then we're going to get into Matthew 28. The first uh, point about what resurrection is according to the scriptures is that it is the hope of salvation. Throughout all of the pages of the Bible, resurrection is the hope of salvation. We've been saying this since day one. The hope of salvation is not necessarily, and it's not only that you get to go to heaven when you die, but rather that the kingdom of heaven now is in and through you, and it changes your life from the inside out right here, right now. The gospel is less about getting heaven into you and more about getting, you, I'm sorry, less about getting you into heaven, and it's more about getting heaven into you. That's what we've been saying since day one. And so the hope of salvation has always been that people who are in Christ will be raised from the dead and co-rule with God for eternity. 
This is what eternal life is. This was the original design in Genesis 1. I want you to rule with me. I want you to have dominion. I want you to go for it. That was compromised by sin. And now Jesus is bringing new resurrection and new life. And so resurrection is the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is that, yes, we will die, but we will be physically raised from the dead. Which, by the way, I'm just going to say this because I saw a recent study that showed Uh, most Christians today either don't know or don't believe that Jesus was raised bodily and is actually right now in human form, in a body, sitting at the right hand of God. Right now, he is a physical, there is a physical person in heaven. And what the scriptures say is that Jesus's destiny of that is actually foreshadowing what we will become when we are in Christ. Colossians 3 says, if then you've been raised with Christ, already raised, You are now seated with him at the right hand of the Father. And when he comes, you're going to be raised up from the dead. The resurrection is the hope of salvation. Second point, resurrection is already not yet. This is what the kingdom of heaven has been. This is what is called the overlap of the ages. Resurrection is already here for us, and it's not yet here for us. We have already been freed from the the, the power of sin, Yet, we have not yet been fully freed from the power of sin. Jesus has already been raised from the dead. It's a fact. And we're going to see that here in the text in a second. Jesus has already been raised from the dead. You and I have been raised from the dead as well. Not, Not physically, because we haven't died yet, but we have been raised from the dead. And this is why Paul talks in the, in his letters about you have died, Ephesians 2. You've died. You, you, you are dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. But God, he did what? Because Jesus rose from the dead, what does he do to us? He now raises us from the dead. So resurrection is already. If you're in Christ, you've already been raised from the dead. And it's not yet. I, I don't think anybody in here has physically died. And if so, please tell me because that, that would be really cool illustration. Anyway, um, I don't think anybody in here has physically died and then been raised from the dead. So what, 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 what's, what resurrection is, is it's already, we've already been raised from the dead, and we haven't yet. This is why Jesus says in the Gospel of John, anybody who dies actually isn't going to die, right? So you and I, when we're in Christ, we will live forever. I hope you know that that's what the hope of the scriptures is. In Christ, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though you die, you won't die because I will give you life and life eternal. I will give you life and life abundant. And this is exactly why uh, uh, what, this little Venn diagram of the, of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth, which will be on the screen, this is the overlap of the ages. This is the already not yet. This is the, I, I have experienced freedom in Christ, but I have not experienced fully. I have been freed from sin, but I haven't defeated it in its entirety. I have been filled with the fruit of righteousness, yet I still sometimes show the the fruit of of, of the flesh. So resurrection is first the hope of salvation, and it's already not yet. We live in this tension. You know, they say the truth is always a knife's edge, and that's exactly what this is. Living in the kingdom of heaven with one foot and the kingdom of the earth in the other foot is what makes us people of hope because we know what's coming. As Nate said on, on Friday in the Good Friday service, just because you call an orange a grape doesn't mean it's not an orange. It's an, we know what's coming. Jesus is going to return. The dead will be raised, and those who are in Christ will be raised to life and life eternal, and those who are not in Christ will be raised to condemnation. That's true. 
Whether you see it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, that's what's coming. That's the kingdom of heaven. And at the same time, we live here right now where we still see, feel, carry sin. We feel the effects of it when somebody wrongs us, when we hurt somebody else, when life is not as it seems and it seems like that day between Good Friday and Easter Sunday on Saturday when it's just like, I think God is silent in my life. This is not the way it was supposed to go. So as Christians who live in that, this is what makes us people of hope because we can see what's coming and yet we can grieve and feel the loss of all of that right now and that gap in between, that's the question, that's discipleship, that's living as a Christian is that gap in between. What am I gonna do right now? Am I gonna resign and say, okay, it's too hard. Following Jesus is too hard, it's too idealistic. Or are you gonna say, no, Jesus' resurrection power is right here in us. We don't just talk about it. We actually, we actually live it. We manifest it. That's resurrect, resurrection, excuse me, in the, in the scriptures. It's, it's um, hope, the, the hope of salvation, that death does not have the final word. And it's already not yet. When you're in Christ, you've already experienced it. And we also not yet, have not yet fully experienced it. With that, let's get to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we're gonna start in verse one. Um, actually, that's not true. I'm gonna give you a little bit of context here first. So this is the end of Matthew. We're in a series in the gospel according to Matthew. And uh, we started it in January. And you know, we're not done with it. We're just kind of like picking up, going to the end of Matthew to talk about good, uh, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. And then we're gonna go back to chapter five next week. So w since, um, since Palm Sunday, by the way, the, the, the gospel according to Matthew, the last um, eight chapters-ish deal with seven days. So over a third, if you do the math, over a third of the gospel according to Matthew, which the gospel is a, Matthew is a very long book, over a third of it is seven days. The author, Matthew, he gets to Palm Sunday and he, it's like he slams on the brakes. He's slowing down. He's interacting with Jesus and showing us his interactions with the Pharisees, showing us his conversations with the disciples, showing us how he went into the temple and he flipped over tables, showing us how he talks to the Pharisees and he says, woe to you Pharisees. It's, it's, it's a very painstakingly slow last couple of chapters. And so last week, Jesus entered victoriously. On Thursday, if you remember uh, Thursday, he sat with the disciples, he broke bread, gave them a cup and he gave them this final command, love one another. That night he was betrayed. Friday he was crucified. And Saturday, silence. Absolute silence. Confusion. The disciples had left Judas went out and hanged himself. Peter went out and wept bitterly. The others left in the Garden of Gethsemane, gone. Who stayed around? Matthew chapter 28, verse one. After the Sabbath, which is on Saturday, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary 
went to view the tomb. Quick reminder, how did the gospel according to Matthew start? The first two words in the gospel according to Matthew are the book of Genesis or the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And what we talked about is that in Genesis 1, what's happening? God is creating. At the first day of the week, what did God do? God created light out of darkness. Matthew 28, verse 1, at the first day of the week was dawning. What is happening? Jesus is bringing light into the darkness. We have Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Go up to chapter 25, real quick. Go up to, I'm sorry, not chapter 25, 27. Go up to chapter 27 and look at verse um, 54. Yeah, 54. I'm going to read a few of these verses because we need to get who these ladies are. So Matthew chapter 27 verse 54 says this, When the centurion and those with him who were keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake, the earthquake that happened when Jesus died, and the things that had happened, they were terrified and said, Truly this man was the Son of God. Verse 55, Many women who had followed Jesus from Galilee and looked after him were there watching from a distance. Verse 56, among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's sons. Go down to verse 61. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were seated there facing the tomb. Go down to chapter 28, verse one. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Who are these women? These women are disciples of Jesus who have been following Jesus for three years. It says right there, many women had followed Jesus. They looked after him there. Scholars estimate that some of them were able to provide food, some of them were able to provide shelter, and they were able to do all these things because they had the resources, they had connections, and they were there following. Who wasn't there at this time? Any of the disciples. Any of the 12 disciples, gone. These women were watching from afar. They're not from afar. They were watching up close. They were there when he was tried. They were there when he was beaten. They were there when he was crucified. They were there when Joseph of Arimathea took the body down and put them in his tomb. And apparently they're going there the next day. Why? Because they're anticipatory. They're wanting something. They're mourning. They're grieving. They want to go there to take care of the body, to, to say, I, I, to, probably in confusion too. And then what happens? Verse two. There was a violent earthquake. Why? Because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards were also shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. Okay, all of this image, earthquake, uh, appearance like lightning, clothes white as snow, this is all imagery used to define the day of the Lord. If you remember that phrase, the day of the Lord, it's a phrase that's used in the Old Testament a lot about when God's kingdom would come on earth. And now here, the kingdom of heaven, resurrection life, has come, so much so that the literal ground cannot handle it. The earth was quaking. This isn't just like a, some natural phenomenon. This is like, this is what happens when the earth interacts with the kingdom of heaven because it, it's groaning. It's groaning for new creation. And when Jesus died, there was an earthquake. And when this angel came and rolled the stone away, there was this earthquake. And look at the guards' response in verse uh, four. They were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. Ironically, these guards were supposed to be doing what? They were supposed to be alive, one, 
and they were supposed to be guarding a dead man. And then what happened? They became like dead man, dead men, and the dead man himself is not there. He's like, there's an ironic reversal here of what happens when, it, this is what Jesus says, the last will be first, the first will be last. And what do they do? The guards, they, they see everything, and the women. So the women and the guards are there. They see everything, and they respond. They see everything, and they respond. This is gonna be a, a key theme that we're gonna be walking through. They see, they respond. Now, how did they respond? They probably responded like unconsciously. They just passed out or something. We don't know. But they saw what was happening, and they had a response. These guards are now like dead men. Let's keep going. How did the, how did the women respond. Verse 5, the angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Verse 7, then after you come and see, go and tell his disciples. He's risen from the dead, and indeed, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Notice the angel's first command. Do not fear. How did the guards respond? They were shaken by fear. The angel's first command is, do not fear. Why? Where there is resurrection life, there cannot be fear. Period. How do I know if I'm afraid? How do you know if you're afraid? Well, oftentimes, it's not like, you know, you're watching a scary movie and there's a jump scene. That's not fear. Fear is what? How do I know if I'm afraid? How much do I want control in life? Your level of fear is equally your level of how much you want control in life. When I look at my life and I think, I, I want to just control this, what is that? That's fear. I want to control this situation, this outcome, this relationship, this person, this job, my mind. What is that? Fear. What is the root of all fear? It's the fear of, of death, ultimately, right? All fear at its core is the fear of the fear of like, I'm not gonna have everything I want. This is what Adam and Eve were. I'm not gonna have everything I, wh that I want, and so I'm gonna try to make decisions on my own. I'm gonna try to figure this out. And when we're confronted with resurrection life, you can't hold on. You have to let go. And uh, Lord, you're doing something. Repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is repenting? It's letting go. Letting go of my life because only when I let go of my life, let go of the fear and enter into Jesus' life that he gives me, then there is no fear. The angel of the Lord is saying, do not be afraid to these women. Don't be like the guards who saw and they responded with fear. Don't be afraid. Then, she, then the angel says, go, go tell the disciples. Go th the disciples aren't here. Go tell the disciples. An interesting fact, in the first century, for a lot of centuries, actually, um, in this context, though, th it was a very uh, patriarchal, misogynistic, sexist culture that they were living in. Women were not valued as witnesses in court. So say your neighbor stole something from you and your other neighbor, Sally, was there and she saw it. And you go to court and you say, hey, this guy stole something from me. Sally was there, she saw it. They would not, she was not a viable witness in court because she was a woman. 
We're the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection in all four gospel accounts. Not Pilate, not the disciples, not the centurions, these women. These women were told, go tell the disciples. Now, where were the disciples last? They ran away in fear. They were terrified. Now these women have the awesome responsibility to say, I'm gonna, I get to go bring this news to the disciples. So what's their response? Verse eight. So, departing quickly from the tomb with fear, but it doesn't end there, and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. How did they run? They ran quickly, they ran fearfully, they ran joyfully. Fear and joy are not mutually exclusive. What is this fear? This fear is like, you know, that first day of school when you're like nervous, but you're also excited. Or like the first date, you know, you're like nervous, but you're also excited. Or the first whatever. Th- this is that, but just the volume's turned way up on this. So they're running away with fear, but also with great joy. And who do they meet? Verse nine, just then Jesus met them and said, greetings. What a, that, that's an interesting translation. The, the Greek here is just the simplest word for hello. It's just the most basic greeting. Okay, Mary and Mary are there. They just saw an earthquake. They just saw guards fall over. They just see an angel of the Lord whose appearance is like lightning. Say, go, he's not here, he's risen. And they go and they see Jesus and he says, hi. Like, I, I, Jesus is so interesting. If, if I was, let, let's try to put ourselves in this scenario. If you were Jesus, I, we're not gonna do this often because that's always a bad way to start a sentence. If I was Jesus, <laughs> if you were Jesus, I probably would go to Pilate and be like, ha, gotcha. Or the centurions or literally anybody else. And I would be like, I'm going to prove that you were wrong and that I was right. Have you ever felt that? I'm gonna prove that you were wrong and that I was right. Is Jesus concerned in the slightest about that? No. He's just on a walk. Just walk. And these women who have been with him for three years, who have seen him perform miracles, who have helped him on his journey, who have watched him cast demons out of people, who stayed with him, unlike the 12 male disciples, these women were there, and he says, hi. What a beautiful picture. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshiped him. They saw, and they responded. They saw Jesus, and they responded. First, they saw the angel and the earthquake, and they responded, and there was kind of fear, but kind of joy, and they ran away really fast, and then they see Jesus, and they fall on their feet and they grab, uh, on, on their faces, and they grab his feet, and they worship him. What does Jesus say to them? Then Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Do not fear. In resurrection life, there is no fear. I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you have fear in your life right now, listen to Jesus' words. 
He has been raised from the dead and he's looking at you. And he's calling you to him. And he's greeting you. And he's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. My brothers. This is the first time Jesus called his disciples brothers. And where was the last time we saw the disciples? They ran. They scattered. As soon as those guards came with the spears and the shields, they said, I'm out of here. I'm done. Judas got 30 shekels of silver to hand him over. Peter looked him in the eye and looked others in the eye and cursed and said, I do not know the man. Nobody else is even written in these pages. And what does Jesus call them? Family. Brothers. Friend. Not those guys who didn't make the cut. Not those guys who abandoned me. Hey, go tell all the, all the fools to go to Galilee. No, go tell my brothers. Have you ever denied Jesus? Have you ever sinned so frequently? Looked Jesus in the eye and said, I, I'm doing it my way. Have you ever fallen short? You ever bit your tongue when you should have spoken out? You ever spoken out when you should have bit your tongue? You ever look back at your life and you see a darkness, a regret, a pain, and you think Jesus would not love that? I've got to clean that up before I go worship Jesus. They, hadn't, they don't even know that he's risen from the dead yet and Jesus is saying, find my brothers. Jesus is calling you. If you're in Christ, he's calling you brother. He's calling you sister. He's calling you friend. And he's saying, come and see. Look at me. Don't look down. Don't look at yourself. Don't look at your sin. Look at me. And then What? Jesus told them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Go down to verse 17 of chapter 28. Verse 17 of chapter 28. This is when the 11 disciples go to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped. But there were a few that doubted. I'd have loved to be there at that mountain. Half of the disciples are worshiping Jesus and half of them are like, is this a ghost? Is this real? What's happening? All throughout, we see the guards, we see the women, we see the disciples, and what's their pattern? They see, they respond. They see, they respond. They see, they respond. Some people here in this room right now have not seen Jesus. Some of you haven't seen Jesus. Some of you who claim to be Christians have not seen Jesus. It's just how it is. How, how can I see Jesus? He's, you know, up in heaven right now. Yeah, there is a moment in your life when the old is gone and the new has come and scales fall off your eyes and you view the world so differently. 
You know what that is? That's seeing Jesus. You don't see yourself as just a, a, a sinner. You see yourself as called, holy, beloved, a saint, the image of God. You don't see your sin and be like, I really need to try to get that better. You see yourself as free from the curse of sin. Some of you have not seen Jesus, truly. Some of you have, and you've responded. And maybe you've responded in fear because following Jesus will cost you everything that you think you love, but it will give you more than anything that this world can offer. And the response to Jesus is not, I saw him, and, and I'm good. The response to Jesus is not, I, I saw him. What, was the, what were the disciples and these women's responses to Jesus? They saw him and what? Their lives were changed. They didn't care about money or social status or anything. Most of them were beat and flogged and ridiculed and humiliated. They lost their families. They lost their friends, all because of Jesus. All because of Jesus. But they know that resurrection, there's no fear in resurrection life. So my, the, the summary of all of this is what are you gonna do? See and respond. See and respond. Some of you have not seen Jesus, and so the simple call is look to Jesus and live. There's a famous preacher who didn't want to become a preacher. He was mad at God. He goes in the back of a church, and at the very end of the sermon, this pastor goes, look to Jesus and live. And on the spot, his eyes were opened. That's the call for us right now. Look to Jesus and live, and then respond. When you have met and seen the resurrected Lord, you cannot go on living the same way, period. It's not possible. You will either have to suppress it and ignore it, or you'll have to say like, I guess I have to give my entire life to this thing. And this is why there's this tragic belief that there are tiers of Christians. You know, there's the really good Christians who are up here and they just really sold out for Jesus. And I'm just like the Christian who's here, but there are some Christians who are like down here. None of that's biblical at all. You're either in Christ or you're not. You either have seen the risen Lord and you're giving your life to him forever or you're not. You are either filled with resurrection life and the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is now in you or you're not. Look to Jesus and live. Each week we look to Jesus in a variety of ways through the scripture, through prayer, through singing and through communion. And so I'm gonna pray, and when I'm done praying, I'm gonna invite those who are in Christ, who have seen Jesus and responded to him, to come up, gather the elements, and go back to your seat. So I'm gonna pray, and then when I'm done praying, I'll invite you to come up to gather the elements. Holy Spirit, Open our eyes. Loosen our grips on life. Cast out fear in our minds. Untangle our hearts from sin. Unstop our ears so that we can hear your still small voice. Jesus, 
thank you. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for being king. Thank you for interceding for us. Thank you for giving us your righteousness. And Father, we love you. We celebrate. The Lenten season is over. The time of fasting is over. Lord, today we celebrate your victory. God, we are, as we sang earlier, we are standing, when we are in Christ, we are standing in the victory, we are singing in the victory, and we sing that you are glorified forever and ever and ever. Thank you, Lord, for your life. We pray all of these things, and we continue to bring this posture of prayer into our time of communion together. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at com, or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.